Hey guys, good morning. In the spirit of the Exodus series, I've chosen another random place to um, be with you this morning. I think right now I'm behind a Sherwin-Williams. So basically I'm just giving you the back alley tour of Waco. Again, you're welcome. So last week we talked about how easy it is for our view of God to be based on what we see God doing instead of who God is and how much our circumstances can shape the way that we interpret God's future action. So God, however, wants to introduce us to what it means to follow Yahweh and to allow Yahweh to be our God. Exodus 6 gives us some clarity on God's whole purpose, that it's not just about leaving Egypt, but it's about becoming the people that God intends us to be. So God says in the promise of deliverance in Exodus 6, 7, I will be your God and you will be my people. This means that it's not just about what Israel is freed from, but it's also about what Israel is freed for, this relationship with a covenantal God. Isn't that awesome? The book of Exodus is concerned with the knowledge of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. What's going on? The knowledge of God, right? And so over and over, the text says, I'm doing this so that Egypt and Pharaoh will know that I am God. These actions that God takes so that Israel will know that I am God, that the world will know that I am God. And so over and over, when Yahweh states, I will be your God, it may be easy for us on this side to think, don't they know who this God is? And God is offering all that God is, the person of God, the character of God, the power, the forgiveness, and the promises will all be with Israel in all of their endeavors, that the presence of God will be with them throughout all of their lives, the patience and the mercy and the love not just the deliverance. And as this commitment is stated over and over, the first time that it's stated, Israel isn't really sure who this God is who's making these promises. See, the Israelites had no reason to believe that Yahweh would rescue them. If they'd been under the Egyptian oppression for 400 years, that means that anybody who knew the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had died off. And these Hebrew slaves didn't know the God of their ancestors. They knew the God of their oppressors. They may have heard about Yahweh. They may have heard about the promised land. But as Moses and Aaron showed up and their slavery got worse, then the story of God and freedom and a promised land just seemed more like a fairy tale. So when Moses comes to Aaron, I'm sorry, when Moses and Aaron come to Pharaoh and say on behalf of God, I am the Lord and you will set my people free. Moses, or Pharaoh balks at this and he says, who is this God? I don't know this God and I'm certainly, certainly not going to let Israel free. But Pharaoh wasn't the only one who didn't know this God who spoke freedom. Israel too didn't know who this God was. So as Pharaoh poses the question, who is this God? I think that question might have echoed throughout Israel as well. I can only assume that God was aware of Israel's lack of knowledge because God immediately follows, I will be your God with, and you will know that I am the Lord. I will be your God and I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you through the things that I do that when I say I will be your God, you know that's based in love 
in the creative way in which I deliver you. It wasn't that God's people didn't know anything about the divine. They had a concept of God. Egyptians had a lot of gods, and they had inevitably been shaped by their experience, the divine, through the Egyptian culture. Because see, Pharaoh was considered to be the son of God. Pharaohs were the political and religious leaders, and they represented God to the people. Pharaohs, once they took the throne, were associated with the god Horus. And the god Horus was a god who had defeated chaos and restored order to the land. And then, once Pharaoh died, was associated with Osiris, the god of death. Pharaoh considered himself to be the god of the living and the dead. That is what then Israel understood of the divine, right? That a god was obsessed with power, was cruel and oppressive and threatened and controlling. The religious leader and representative of the divine was the very one responsible for their broken spirits and their harsh slavery. That this god, this concept of god that they had known in Egypt was the one responsible for their dead children and their despairing and painful cries. They were familiar with the divine. They understood it as a tyrannical reign and an absolute, awful, anxiety-ridden reign that Pharaoh used in order to tear down a people. The Egyptian god was the source of oppression. But who is this God that Moses is talking about? I will be your God, and you will know that I am the Lord. In the rest of the Exodus narrative, then, God redefines the concept of the divine around himself. In Exodus 34, we get a glimpse of who God is. The Lord is compassionate and slow to anger and full of mercy and steadfast in love. Yahweh is attentive and near and merciful and forgiving. Israel's not just a bunch of refugees who need to get out of Egypt. There are people who need to understand the faithful love of a God who has called them. And I love how my friend Dennis Tucker said it. God ensures that the God of their oppressors is not the last God that Israel will see. So when Moses confronts Pharaoh with the voice of Yahweh, Pharaoh considers this to be the divine against the divine. And that's when the narrative drama really picks up because Yahweh, the God of Israel, is set on redemption. And nothing, nothing can stop God's redemptive work. No stubborn heart, no enemy, and no slavery. God will make sure that Israel and Pharaoh and Egypt and the rest of the world see God as the true divine source of life and love. And Pharaoh is not just Pharaoh, but it's any enemy that stands up against God. Because any enemy that stands up against God is doomed to fail. God can even take Pharaoh's refusal and resistance and weave it in to his redemptive purposes. So Pharaoh's heart may be set on slavery. But God's heart is set as well. And no king, no one, no Egyptian gods will ever block the delivering work of the God who is for us. And as Yahweh works, Israel gets to learn who this God is. 
We also may have learned things about God that need to be unlearned. We may have had experiences that have shaped us into a negative view of God. Maybe we've grown up seeing God as judge, jury, executioner. Maybe we've seen God through the authority figures in our lives or the people who criticize or condemn us. Maybe we associate God with that voice in our head that tells us that we're failures, that we've made too many mistakes, that we will never ever be loved. Maybe you've known God as distant or dismissive or disappointed in you. Maybe you've experienced God as one who withholds love until you're good enough. No wonder it can be hard to trust because our experiences shape our view of God. And God calls us, but God will also show us who it is that calls us. I will be your God and you will be my people. The Israelites had a long journey of getting to know God. It was a long time from the harsh slavery to Exodus 34, where the Lord declares himself to be the steadfast, covenant-keeping, merciful God who is for them. But along the way, they begin to see piece by piece who Yahweh was. The same with us, noticing that God is compassionate and attentive, that God is moved by our pain and works to free us, that God doesn't tolerate cruelty or evil, that God interacts with humanity, that God uses lowly midwives to defy the murderous declaration of a king who thinks he's God, that God meets with a man who's running away from his past, who's made mistakes, and through this man brings deliverance to a community who consider themselves nothing more than slaves used to build up the enemy's empire. We learn that God is not threatened by unbelief. We learn that God patiently holds space for our doubt and our questions. Guys, God will show us who God is. Even the challenges in our lives can be woven into God's plan for redemption. Be open to God and let God show you new things about who he is and who you are. Whatever it is that you're experiencing right now, or have experienced, or will face, know that God is set on redemption. And God is committed to bringing you to a place where you can believe. The Israelites couldn't have crossed the Reed Sea the first day Moses showed up. They had to be brought to a place where their faith feet were strong enough to walk. Nothing, nothing can block God's plan of redemption you. When God says, I will be your God and you will be my people, that also means that we will be able to trust in a God who shows us who God is. May that be what you experience, that as you bring your challenges and your struggles and your questions to God, you will let God show you the depth of his love and his light and his promise to you. Grace and peace to you.